Welcome to a bonus review recap episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tiamanini. If you are listening to this episode in your Patreon feed, this is a standalone episode. But if you are listening to this as part of our regular feed, welcome to Today on Broadway for March 29th, 2022. On Monday night, over at the Hudson Theater, the Broadway revival of Neil Simon's Plaza Suite officially opened, starring two of Broadway and TV and movies' biggest stars, Matthew Broderick and Sarah Jessica Parker. The comedy is directed by Tony-winning actor John Benjamin Hickey, and of course was supposed to come to Broadway two years ago, but was upended by the pandemic. The show is comprised of three one-act plays, and they all center around Suite 719 at the Plaza Suite in New York City. And the show sees three different couples, each played by Broderick and Parker, as they go about their lives in the luxurious hotel. Let's start with Jesse Green of the New York Times, who wrote, quote, The first thing you see when the curtain goes up on Plaza Suite is an aquatic image of that grand hotel and its antique glory. But when it comes to datedness, the faux French pile that opened its doors in 1907 has nothing on the Neil Simon comedy, itself a faux French pile, that debuted on Broadway in 1968. Despite the wearying efforts of a likable cast headed by Matthew Broderick and Sarah Jessica Parker, the passage of 54 years is more than enough to reveal the triptych of one-act plays as uninhabitable in 2022. He continues, You could, I suppose, investigate Plaza Suite as a catalog of male failings in mid-century America. Certainly, The Odd Couple, a Simon comedy from 1965, can support such a reading, even if it's two female characters or bird brains. In any case, that's not what the current production is offering. Rather, it seems to hope we will look forgivingly enough on our benighted past to excuse it with a, that's how things were, shrug and laugh. Moving over to Helen Shaw's review for Vulture, she writes, quote, The third play climaxes with various comic lotsy that Simon could have borrowed from Goldani if there were seventh-floor hotel rooms in 18th-century Venice. It's a bummer when it finally turns back into a Simon relationship play with some limp observations about these youth today. Is this a flaw in the original or in this revival? It's tricky to work out since so much depends on rhythm. In all three plays, Hickey and his actors have found many little moments for physical comedy. Muriel sometimes kicks her legs like a colt trying to get to its feet. Roy clearly has a twingy back. But these jolts are rarely enough to create a sustained energy. The same is true for the evening as a whole. I know you can't wander around rewriting Neil Simon, but maybe they could have just skipped the middle one act? That was a cold cocktail frankfurter, I'll tell you that. She continues... In Plaza Suite, I found that fragile, funny, sad balance tipped too far toward melancholy, possibly because Broderick's left-of-center delivery makes so much room for it. While he's tremendously antic in Forest Hills, he's the Tin Man without oil in Mamaroneck. That's still the one of the three I'm going to remember, though. It's paralyzingly bleak. Over at Broadway News, Naveen Kumar wrote, quote, It's no surprise that the production's high-voltage stars, who last appeared together on Broadway nearly 30 years ago, have an easy, unassailable chemistry. There's even a slight air of voyeurism to casting Broderick and Parker to perform husband and wife routines, as though they might offer an oblique glimpse inside the couple's private life. But despite their offstage connection and individual talents, their performances here are out of step. Going on, he writes, But while no one checks into the Plaza Hotel expecting ingenuity or a surprise, the production now playing the Hudson Theater feels remarkably removed from the moment. Is it the two-year pandemic delay? Not quite. 
retro gender politics, a cumbersome three-act structure, and dusty humor. You'll find all of that and more on the room service menu. Quickly running through a few other reviews, Adam Feldman of Time Out New York gave the show three out of five stars saying, quote, its main characters are mostly middle-aged and so is the writing. It is now over 50 and its comic cheek is showing some laugh lines. But the vestiges of laughs are nice wrinkles, as wrinkles go, and while this production doesn't leave you rolling in the aisles, it is likely to at least leave you smiling. David Rooney of The Hollywood Reporter said, quote, Alas, the star's efforts, while certainly appealing, don't make the material any less obsolete. A throwback to the bougie boulevard comedies that were once a Broadway staple. The observations on marriage and relationships occasionally generate a chuckle, but more often seem stale and the sexual politics retrograde, something that John Benjamin Hickey's serviceable direction can't disguise. Johnny Oleksinski from the New York Post said, quote, The usual suspects will stick their noses up at Plaza Suite. It's old, it has no relevance today, blah, blah, blah. But there is nothing wrong with some good old opulence, one-liners, and star power. Everything on Broadway need not be a brooding hipster musical with acoustic guitars and Edison bulbs. And finally, Juan A. Ramirez writing for Theaterly said, quote, if anyone was going to make his 1968 Plaza Suite a hit in 2022, it's Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew Broderick. Two longtime Broadway darlings, they are as classic New York a couple as they come. To say their name is to invoke visions of champagne-washed elegance, of well-heeled strolls through the city's Tony Avenues, of effortless bliss. And yet, not even SJP's incandescent star power can brush off the dust settled on this three-act look at marriage in the late 60s. Unadorned by John Benjamin Hickey's straightforward direction, the highly anticipated pandemic-delayed production does only improve as it goes on, so long as you make it past its dreadful first act. Despite middling reviews, I can't imagine that they are going to have much of an impact on this show's performance on Broadway, as it will certainly continue to draw in heavy crowds, and as we get the grosses later on on Tuesday, I'm sure that it will continue to bring in around or even over $2 million per week with two of Broadway's biggest stars. Plaza Suite is currently slated to run at the Hudson Theater through June 26th of this summer. That's all that we have for this bonus review recap episode of Broadway Radio. If you are listening in Patreon, have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday and we will talk to you soon. If you are listening in the regular feed, I'll turn it over to Grace and Ashley for the rest of Today on Broadway. Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, March 29th, 2022. I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. And I'm arts and culture writer, Ashley Steves. Now, March 29th, if you did not yeah. know, marks the, today marks the 10-year anniversary of Newsies on Broadway. It's true. Which is insane to say, because I feel like that show was on Broadway four years ago. <laughs> like, it's so hard for me to be like, a whole decade. It has been 10 years since Chris yeah. Catelli graced the stage, uh, his choreography graced the stage of the Nederlander. Um, and I, uh, I'm just, um, you know, it, but it's funny because it's 10 years since Newsies, right? At the Nederlander. Right. But we've got Mr. Saturday Night opening first preview on March 29th yeah. as well. It's all about you. They know. They know it's a very <laughs> special date for Grace Hockey. It's a big day. I did enter the lotto. I don't know. I probably did not win. Um, of course. But you know what? 
I need I, I gotta see Billy at some point um, he did tweet sure. at me one time which tells me that we are uh, friends that's friends yeah that's how that works Twitter mutuals yeah. we're close yeah. so I just wanted of to course. say that because I I seriously can't believe it's been 10 years and I know they're celebrating a 54 below and um, the newsboys have always been just so uh, kind and exciting and they were just such a loving family that um, it, mm-hmm. me- it, it means a lot to me that they're getting to celebrate so there you go uh, yeah. but let's let's leave the day in the Broadway news that broke around 3 p.m. on Twitterverse <laughs> <laughs> Which we thought was actually going to be a much different announcement than it ended up being. Yeah. We got the inkling that it was going to be the Camelot. We've we've known the rumblings of Camelot. We've known that there was like a reading, but here's what's going down. So Lincoln Center Theater announced dates for the Broadway revival of Lerner and Lowe's Camelot, which will begin previews at the Vivian Beaumont Theater on November 3rd, which is normally an election day. Also my siblings mm-hmm. birthday. Ahead of an mm. official opening night on December 8th. The production will be directed by Lincoln Center favorite of course this was no shock to me Bartlett Cher right of course um, not. he's directed yeah. yeah South Pacific the King and I Mayor, my fair lady name another old Just one did he did intimate it. apparel yeah right yeah. Uh, he's he's in charge of the olds um for for Lincoln Center <laughs> Theater so but this was what was actually surprising to me because I did not know this at all um being the Ricardo's writer Aaron Sorkin, former lover of Kristen Chenoweth. Um, Aaron Sorkin will adapt the book based on Lerner's original, um, saying, quote, it's a story about the quest for democracy, striving for justice, and the tragic (laughs) struggle between passion and aspiration between lovers and kingdoms, which to me said... Is this uh, the the trial of the Chicago Lincoln I Center? Too. Yeah, I too <laughs> read the Wikipedia page for Camelot. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the last time it was revived on Broadway was 1993 with Robert Goulet, Bob Goulet himself, yeah. um, who originated the part of Lancelot in 1960, then mm-hmm. went into the role of King Arthur for the Broadway revival. I actually saw him at the Fox Theater in Atlanta in oh, this role really? on tour. Yeah. Um, I think hey. it was like maybe 2001 or something so uh, anywho um but we thought we'd get a cast announcement as the point because mm. we know of the rumblings of the cast um i was gonna I, say you uh, you talked yeah. about this a little bit recently with mr matt yeah and so i i just it, it's kind of weird that they didn't do it all at once um but i guess that they're trying to finalize schedules because again like a reading yep. cast is not the same as the availability of someone of for an actual broadway run so it could and, all be very and, different and an actual broadway run that is what uh eight months away from now so or yeah. seven months away i mean so, and yeah, i'm assuming this is not. gonna be a very limited run as well like i don't you believe this so. is kind of an open-ended thing like you know other uh, Lincoln Center shows were, but maybe I'm wrong. It's hard to tell because we've had shows like My Fair Lady, the aforementioned My Fair Lady at yes. Vivian Beaumont that ran for a little bit longer than yeah, some like of the years. other shows that have been there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this could be that. This could be a long-running show. It could be a limited run. We just don't know at this point. It was absolutely a surprise to me because I was not privy to that conversation about previous <laughs> <laughs> uh, So I was very shocked and uh, somewhat happily and somewhat not. Um, not surprised to see Bart here, who I think is great. Um, also not surprised, but not happy to see Aaron Sorkin here, because as we've discussed many times, I am not an Aaron Sorkin fan. Overall, I just wish we would put other people in charge of musicals, especially if you're going to do a classic musical uh, where the property has already been established. So it's not like, you know, you're 
really messing with it. Uh, but I mean, Aaron yeah. Sarkin is gonna really mess with it, I'm sure, and in ways that I'm sure I will not be happy with. But it's- I hope Aaron Sarkin <laughs> fans will be delighted by Aaron Sarkin's Camelot. You know, I, and and let's say that. Aaron Sorkin's Camelot. Don't get it yeah. twisted, folks. Um, I this always think it's funny. Show starring Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> it's always uh, it's always funny to me. Like truly, um, the respect for him is totally warranted. I see it. Sure. I'm not, um, you know, an idiot. Uh, but my all my thought always when he does this is kind of like, you know what, you know what, I actually have something to say about this too. <laughs> is to me like the mindset. <laughs> Every time, but you know what? Walk and talk through Camelot. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine? Also, like I'm just throwing this out there, Allison Janney. Ooh, can you? She can do it. She can do anything. She can do any damn thing. Of course. Yeah. He's certainly not busy. That's a reference. Um, so more in some Broadway news. Broadway's Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which famously Matt and I saw just the other day, currently running at the Lyric Theater, um, is getting a new Harry and Ginny Potter. So Steve Haggard, um, has already taken over the role of, uh, yeah. after, you know, James Snyder was dismissed. Um, you know, all that good stuff, not good stuff. Um, Haggard mm-hmm. has also rejoined the production after, you know, hit, making his Broadway debut back in 2019 in the ensemble. So it's kind of nice that he's like getting this like new, you know, um, lease in the, in the role. Um, so Angela Reed will succeed the current Ginny Potter, Erica Sweeney, beginning May 3rd. So again, these are two announcements like Angela um, is coming back into the role because she was actually in uh, she was in the role of Ginny at San Francisco uh, when yeah. they did Cursed Child over there. So she's also, you know, been seen in Doll's House Part 2, The Country Girl, Rock and Roll, other stuff. So yeah, these are just good casting news. Love a good casting news. Love a good casting announcement. Uh, you want another then- one? Of course I will. Oh, what I was going to say first, though, is eventually I, I, you know, I, I don't love Cursed Child. I respect it a lot because of what it is. Um, just like this old school theater magic kind of piece. And I absolutely yes. eat that shit up, but I would love to see the shortened version of it at this point. Cause I did see the original two parter. Um, and it was a little bit too much for me. <laughs> um, but I would like to see the shortened version. It's also one of my favorite theaters. So I will return oh. to it as often as possible. Oh, I love the lyric. I had never been there until then, so that's that's kind of interesting. Beautiful. It was beautiful. It's yeah. so beautiful. Ugh. They um they really nailed the I, I love a good merch. Um oh, famously. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. even though I'm not a Harry Potter person, like the merch was absolutely amazing. Uh, the merch yeah. is good and you get a free button, or at least you used to, and I am very pro free button. Huh, that's good to know. That's good yeah. to know for me to keep them in the all in the all cap. Exactly. So, uh, more in some Broadway casting news. The Kite Runner, which we had talked about on the show before, has announced um, a lot of its cast yeah. and creative team for the upcoming production. But again, a lot of it is coming from their uh, UK premiere. So, it's set, set to begin previews July 6th, which is so soon. Like, the idea of July, I, I would have told you, like, nah, but no. It's fine, because it's still snowing. Oh, yeah, it really is. I was going to wear a tank top tonight like a fool. (laughs) I'm wearing a fire. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the show will officially open uh, July 21st and run through October 30th because it is, uh, you know, a limited run. It's got an an end date. Uh, Leading the cast will be Amir 
Arison of The Blacklist yeah. and Ferran Tahir. And I am really excited to see these two on stage. Uh, the totally. production comes to New York after premiering in the UK, including their two runs on the West End. So they've got this down. The creative yeah. team is ready. They've been at the ready for a couple of months. I've been hearing about like what they're doing in the advertising world and all that good stuff. And I'm just like, I- I'm excited to see this on stage I'm again. For I this love one. this yeah. book. Oh. I've never read this, but oh. I, yeah, it's you know. Actually, listen to the audio book. You'll love it. I hate an audio book. Oh, I wish God. I didn't. <laughs> I know. I hate an audio book. This is why, though. I hate an audio book because I am incapable of paying attention to an audio book. I wish I was. And it's the same thing of like I need to multitask at all things I'm doing. Um, so I will start listening to an audio book. Could be something I have been wanting to read for months or years. I will get about five minutes in and then my mind will drift or I'll start doing something. And then it's 40 minutes later and I have missed everything that happened in the book. Um, that's one a of thick those. book. So pick it up. It's a thicky book. Speaking of, um, I don't know, th- a thick night. I don't even know how to say that. Um, sure. last night, Why not? Uh, all we did was stay up, um, oh. annually past our bedtime to watch the Academy Awards hosted sure. kind of by, do we want to say hosted? I don't think it was really hosted, uh, by Amy Schumer, Regina Hall, and Wanda Sykes, three comedians in their had own right. <laughs> any supervision whatsoever, let alone a host. I so, just want to, sure. Cause this is all I will say about the night Mm. as far as like production goes what i find very funny is the amount of red carpet coverage that i watched right yeah all the producers of the show which again i really appreciate were a lot of people of color a lot Mm -hmm. of people of color and like number one great a Number two, all of uh, all of the producers that I saw and the creative team f- that were producing the Oscars, all they kept saying was, oh, you've got no idea what we've got in store for you. Like, hyping right. it up. You are right. Hyping it up to the point of, like, I was like, okay, like, these people are about to go. And then I was like, oh, no. <laughs> this is so bad. Yeah. So it was they- just funny. They just kept talking it up. And then I was, like, ready. And then I went, oh, you shouldn't have done that. They were correct. I had no idea what was in store for that Oscar ceremony. Not at all. And, whew, all but right, I'll say this, as far as like the awards go, truly everyone that I know that had Oscar brackets, myself included, were correct. Yep. This was a really yep. no surprises when it came to the awards. So let's get into those. Totally. Tony nominee Ariana DeBose won the very yes! first. Oh, yes! <laughs> she won the very first award for the televised portion of the Oscars for Best Supporting Actress for her performance as Anita in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Again, like this makes her win go along with her Golden Globe, her BAFTA, her SAG Award, and so many more. It's it's again like Rita Moreno being there to see oh another. God, this is the, so. I think, Oh, wonderful. Third time this has happened in Oscar history. Maybe ever I need to double check my data because somebody will tell me mm. um, that I'm wrong. But uh, yeah, so uh, the fact that, you know, Rita got her uh, Oscar for this uh, back in the 60s and then like Ariana getting yep. it for the same role is, is huge. And, um, and we're nearly just, six years apart because yes, uh, Oscars for her role, 19, well, the Oscars were 1962, April 1962. Uh, the movie came out in 1961. But yes, uh, so yeah, almost exactly 60 years apart minus a couple of weeks. And that's just... A really lovely thing. I love a full circle moment like that. It's it's huge. 
So Encanto with music by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who was not able to attend the show, which yep. is so heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, but he won the Oscar or the Encanto won the Oscar for Best Animated Feature Film for Disney. Um, also nominated in the song category. I want to shout out Billie Eilish and Phineas only because, great. again, like their song. I mean, they're incredible. They're in a they're a great writing yeah. team. You cannot get mad at me. I'm obsessed with them. Uh, but That's like so good. They're so good. And I only say this to say that next year, I hope they are also nominated and or winning with Turning Red uh, because the music contribution that Phineas included, especially with um, Four Town, um, is hilarious and top tier. So I only want to say that to say, yeah, hello. Um, Coda (laughs) won big at the ceremony. I don't know if you actually had time to watch this film yet. Guess guess who didn't? Yeah. Well, it's on Apple TV Plus. It's, it's, you know, the first time that a streaming service has won a a best picture award, which is huge. Um, Tim Cook was there and I'm sure he was absolutely grinning ear to ear. Uh, but I want (laughs) to say this. It also won best writing for adapted screenplay and best supporting actor for Troy Kotzer. And this Mm -hmm. is. It was absolutely historic. Again, he's the first deaf man to take home an acting award for this ent- the Oscars in general. He thanked deaf theaters, which gave him, you know, his Love start. It. Because let's face it, like, when are we allowing deaf actors to be in film and TV spaces? Not very totally. often. So the fact that, you know, he shouted out Deaf West Theater, which he starred in, you know, Spring yeah. Awakening, Cyrano, Big River, Big just, River that yeah. was on Broadway in 2003 for that transfer. Just talked about Deaf West the other day of them doing a Coda musical themselves, so... Exactly. Like, that, that is in the works. It would not surprise me if he joined that cast. Um, but again, like, he may, he may be booking other things now. He's, so. he's, he's got an Oscar under his belt. And yes, then winning best actress in a leading role for her title role in the eyes of Tammy Faye is Jessica so Chastain. You know that I got up off my couch and screamed at the television. <laughs> oh, because. Oh. That was that was for us. That was for the gays and the girls. She had and such a lovely speech too. <laughs> she did. I adore her. She's a real one. She used her platform the exact same way that Tammy Faye Baker did to highlight yep. the plight that is currently happening still with LGBTQI members of this community. And this week um, is Trans Awareness Week. Uh, we've got Trans yes, Visibility indeed. Day coming up. And um, I really appreciate that she was able to not only like thank the people she needed to thank and enjoy that moment, but also take time on that platform that was huge uh so yeah so there are a lot of theatrically inclined people that are winning oscars and again like this is a pretty you kind of could guess what all was going to happen um a lot of people Mm. called you know coda winning the best oscar kind of like a crash year because it's kind of like a feel good movie blah 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 there's a lot of conversation about like you know um people in the disabled community and how they're represented on camera. And, and that is not something that I'm qualified to talk about, but I am watching and listening. Um, yep. But I am, I'm very curious to see how this plays out in the future, but either way, congrats to deaf West and all. Um, congrats uh, to deaf West. Yeah. Like this is, this is huge. So let's, let's move off Broadway. Uh, Tony nominee Dominique Mara says Confederates officially opened March 27th at the Alice Griffin Jewel Box Theater at Pershing Square Signature Center. So let's, let's talk about those reviews. So Maya Phillips for the New York Times says Morriso is a fabulous pr- playwright, so much so that even in her plays flaws, her brilliance still shines through and seeing an artist try something new in her art is exciting. What's even more exciting than that? Anticipating how much further in her settings and her stories she can go. 
I love that. Oh, I just want to see mm. the show. Uh, Juan Ramirez for Theaterly writes, um, with all of Dominic Marceau's plays, there are about 10,000 things going on at once in Confederates now receiving its New York premiere in a spellbinding production at Signature Theater. Uh, but because it is Dominic Marceau, each one, the text, the pretext, the subtext is ex- is executed with laser precision and craft. A master at weaving together personal, historical, and social narratives, Morisot here delivers her most ambitious, possibly most galvanizing work yet, a comparative study between a black woman professor at a respectable university and the slave to whom she is equated in a campus hate incident. So... The, the, there you go. It feels like most of the reviews that I was able to, to skim through were positive and intriguing and good. definitely made you want to go see this show. So if you haven't already, I feel like it's a good time to get a ticket. Ah, uh, working on it. Always working on it. We're always working. Always gotta, always working, always working to see a Dominique Mauricio show. Yeah, get us in, folks. We want to see things. <laughs> so, um, off Broadway, full casting. This is, you know, I, I, and apologies to Matt. Apologies to Matt because he's not on the show today. It is me and you. Yeah. And so we get to talk about this. Yeah. Guess who is going to be at the Miss Cascala 2022? Well, I'll tell you. I don't you. have to guess. Yeah. April 4th. April 4th. Leah Michelle. Big day. A big day. Big day for all of us. I mean, Robbie Rizal at Birdland. I was just going to say. Yeah. The um, biggest of days. MCC miscast. Leah Michelle. Audra McDonald. Shoshana Bean star of Mr. Saturday Night and My First Alphabet. Mm-hmm. Honoring Emmy and Tony winner, as we've talked about, Christine Baranski. If you're not in New York, do not fret because it will stream May 22nd at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But other announced cast members include Andrea Martin. Okay. Kelly O'Hara. Miles Frost, which I feel like this is his, this is his journey into Tony season. This is, this is the, the, when it all begins, right? This is when the campaigning starts mm. for, for him for sure. Yeah. Uh, Jay Harrison Gee and Stephen Pasquale. Assassins? Absolutely. Okay. Like, what do we think people are doing? Okay, so we've talked to you before. Uzo Doba, uh, Raul Esparza, Joshua Henry, Anika Noni Rose, Jennifer Samard, Sky Dakota Turner, and Aaron Tivate are all scheduled to perform, but these are yep. the new cast members. And yeah, it's exciting as heck. I mean, I, what else do you want me to say? I'm extremely exci- excited. Leah Michelle is a choice. <laughs> Leah Michelle is the boldest. And, and let me say this. It's a very bold choice. If she does Don't Rain on My Parade for Miss I Cast, was going to say she's going to do Funny Girl. <laughs> that would, honestly, it, that would be uh, funny as hell. Like, yeah. if she leaned into the moment, I would give it props. Like, I think this yeah. is really, it's really smart and strategic. I'm very curious about what that could mean because famously, guys, Miss Cast is not just like an exciting fan service, like, um, pop culture like um mm-hmm. you know mcc fundraising moment it's sure. not just that there's always another layer to it so you have to remember that like the people that are involved it's not by happenstance it's not just who was available no, like these absolutely. are very strategic marketing choices and um mm-hmm. there has to be something going on there that's all i want to say absolutely and i cannot <laughs> wait to see it we'll we'll give you all of our all of our um I don't know, predictions, if we even have them, or we'll quietly text about them, and then you can try to ask yeah. for that on Patreon. Uh, but s- there's and some And we more- will not give it to you. <laughs> and we will famously not give that away. <laughs> oh, 
So uh, a few recommendations for uh, you today. So Minetta Lane Theater and Audible Theater have teamed up at once again to bring you courtesy of an evening with Amber and Mod set for Minetta Lane Theater, April 21st through the 23rd. This is an Audible Theater concert uh, creation that they've been doing. You know, they, they've had um, Soleil Pfeiffer. They've had a couple of other artists. And I'm really excited for Amber and Mod to, to get this opportunity at Minetta Lane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we've got a few more recommendations of Ariana DeBose's acceptance speech along with Troy Kotzer. Like, there's so many great Oscar moments that we want to highlight and focus on, especially with, you know, an Afro-Latina um, winning an award, um, the the deaf actor, like, for the first time, like, getting that recognition and, and that watching that speech with Troy is, is so excellent. Um, and then because Ashley and I love the intersection of art and food, check out this right up right, It's my label. favorite thing. <laughs> this is just such an excellent thing that I don't know if it got mentioned on the show before, because um, it came out just a few days ago, but Leah Putnam put mm. something together for Playbill to honor World Theater Day with some recipes that link themselves to Broadway shows. I thought this was really special and thoughtful. Absolutely and I, love that. I love that type of content. So thank you so much, Leah Putnam, yeah. for putting that out I'm there. I'm going to cook my way through it. Absolutely. <laughs> I can't. I haven't looked at it yet. So that is, but as you mentioned, it is absolutely my favorite thing. So it's the vibe. It's the vibe, baby. Thank you guys so much for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And don't forget about our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. You can find me on all social media platforms at It's Grace Aki. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ashley. Thank you guys so much. I'm on my way to see Plaza Suite, so we will let you know how that goes tomorrow. (laughs) 